This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. It's heat on demand at the touch of a button. This clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. This is a perfect gift for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. It's great for anyone who works outdoors, is a skier or snowboarder, or anyone that loves the outdoors or hates being cold. Action Heat provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. So you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. It's available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. This can make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. And if you're in Cleveland and you're on the lake, it sounds like something you should, you should be buying. And today, we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can save 20% off your entire order by going to actionheat.com slash locked on. Check out everything Action has to offer. I love this stuff. I use it when I go downtown because it's freezing and I'm walking around looking at the Christmas lights. I got them for my dad because he's a freeze baby and he loves it. And again, you can get this too. Actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on to save 20% off your order. Just go to actionheat.com. You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jeff Siegel is here with me to talk about Cavs trades. Jeff, what's going on? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So it's uh, we're recording, this podcast is for December 14th. Uh, trade season really will, I think, in some way kick off on December 15th due to eligibility of players that were signed in the summer. Jeff has a piece up after the sort day that you can read all about the Cavs trade deadline preview. And Jeff, your headline on this is the Cat Cleveland Cavaliers trade deadline preview. They're not done yet. When you look at this Cavs team, they've already made two trades. Uh, they've already traded Corver, traded George Hill, brought back some picks and some salary and and uh, MVP chant getting guard Matthew Delavadova. What is your outlook for the, broadly speaking, without getting into necessarily players yet, but what is your outlook at recently at the Cavs for this trade deadline? I mean, I put it into that piece that you guys can read at Fear the Sword, but it's really like everything that's not nailed down is on the trade block and pretty much nothing is nailed down at this point. I mean, it really, you know, even guy, even a guy like Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, these guys at the top of the roster are, you know, fully tradable. Really, it's the, it's the guys lower down. Colin Sexton is probably one of the only guys on the team who you would think is is not tradable. Uh, and then a lot of their 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 own uh, first round draft picks, stuff like that that has a ton of value. They they would have to you know get a, a great deal to to move from those things. But you know I think we're really the the biggest the overarching preview for for the Cavaliers is that they're going to be involved in a lot of different discussions. And you know if half this roster is not on the if half the, the current roster is not on the team come February 8th, then that wouldn't totally surprise me. So looking at Jeff has a, I'll put the, the piece as well as the uh, Jeff's great early birdrights.com salary cap sheet. So you can look at those, but here to run down the roster, here's basically who I think I would be surprised, like flabbergasted if they were traded at the deadline. Now I think I'll just say as a caveat, I don't think Tristan's going anywhere. I don't think Kevin Love is going anywhere yet. But if they got dealt, I would not be like blown away. But here, the, the people that I think are basically, I would expect 100% to sort of be safe unless the right, it was just had to be done in a deal. 
Um, I think Sexton, obviously. I think Jetty, even though he's, he's struggling really hard of late, I don't think um, I don't think Delhi's going anywhere. I, I think just that, that value on his contract is hard to do. And I also just think like, I don't, PR-wise, I think that'd be a weird move. Um, and I don't think Larry Nance is going anywhere. I, I think he's kind of in that group as well from a, from a marketing standpoint. And, you know, certainly I think if it came down to it, they would trade him if they needed to, but that's not this type of situation. Uh, for me, I think this Cavs deadline is about them going out there and it's about restocking assets. It's what I, I wrote this after the Corver trade and I stand by it. It has not, I've not been proven wrong yet. They are taking on money. Guys like John Henson. I mean, Delhi's not on a good contract by any stretch of the imagination. Um, this is a, a team that is in a position trying to take on salary to get assets. So that is first round picks, interesting ish young players if the right situation presents itself. But I think more often than not, it's going to be picks. Now, I think the, the big question here, and one that I think is to be determined at this point, because we just don't know what the market, the market doesn't seem to have taken shape yet. We don't know what kind of picks guys like JR, guys like Burks and Hood and stuff like that are really going to draw. Because even if they offer you salary relief next summer and probably help you at least a little bit in the short term, at least you can tell yourself that's the case. We don't know what kind of premium teams are going to put on that. Um, we don't know what a team like Houston or the Pelicans or any team out there looking for help right now is going to, and, and also looking for salary relief, frankly, is going to do to do that kind of stuff. We just don't know. And I, I think that that remains to be the, the big factor that we have to consider here. Yeah, I think the the one person that I would add going back to your list of, of untradeables, I don't think that David Nawaba is necessarily untradeable. I just think that he's he's in that right mix of being young and on a really good contract and then he'll be restricted this summer. I would be very surprised if he were included in anything. If they need a small salary to throw out there, they have Ante Zizic, they have Channing Frye, they can do some things. Um, you know, Larry Nance, like you said, I think he he makes sense also as untradeable just because he's he's on a, on a different because he got an extension. It would it would be weird to trade him after after just giving him the extension. It's just more difficult from a CBA perspective. You can't you know he he counts on a different at a different value for the Cavaliers and then for the team that acquires him so it, it makes it a little bit more difficult uh, on that front but uh, you know further up the roster the guys like jr jordan clarkson alec burks even john henson if he comes back and, and shows that he can be useful you know i think these guys individually aren't worth a whole heck of a lot and then you sort of if you want to package a couple of them together it's got to be the right pair and then even then like is a team really going to want to part with a first round pick taking on future money is where the Cavaliers are going to make their make their money in 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 this trade deadline. That's the whole point of of trading for Delavadova, trading for John Henson. You take on future salary for current year salary, and that's where the value is for these these teams. Houston is not going to deal a first round pick for J.R. Smith, but they'll deal a first round pick to get off of Brandon Knight and then take on J.R. Smith. Maybe they'll even give a second round pick in addition to that first round pick for that. So that's. I think if they are willing to take on 2019-20 salary, which it's fairly clear that they are, that's where they're going to, you know, have a lot of value on the on the draft pick market is is taking on future money and and bringing in draft picks along with it. The craziest part about this is that if they did this fully, like Tim Bontemps at ESPN, um, ESPN did a a um, a 
10 trades they like to see kind of thing where people on their NBA staff kind of threw out trades they wanted to see. So Tim Bontemps just did, uh, he did two different trades. So they are Alec Burks and Ronnie Hood go to the Pelicans in one trade and the Cavs take back Solomon Hill, who is, I believe, signed through at least next season and then a top 10 protected 2019 pick. And then another trade, the J.R. Smith goes to Houston and then the Cavs take back Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, and Houston's lottery protected 2019 first round pick. The crazy thing is, is that like if the Cavs did this to the full extent, they would have to find a way to get under the tax <laughs> next year, which is wild. Um, they're just a team that is in a position to certainly do this and then have a lot of flexibility kind of going forward, which it, which would be kind of, I think, an ideal time to have it, I think, at least in theory, because depending on how Kevin Love ages, um, you could do, uh, certainly a lot, some of that's based at Tristan, and but uh, maybe a time where you still count Sexton on a cheap deal, Jetty would you know, be getting to an extension at that point, but the door of the wildly on him, they're going to get a high pick this year. So maybe that guy's a big impact player. So you could build sort of like around a young guy, sort of like the chiefs did with Mahomes and in, in the NFL or like the Browns will try to do with Baker and try to build around like your cheap young guys with a few big money guys kind of thrown in there. But I, I think the, in the short term and the more important clear thing right now is the Cavs have two players in Jr and Alec Burks, who I think I would be sort of surprised if they're both on the roster come the come the day after the deadline. JR for obvious reasons, Burks just because he offers so much salary relief for teams. And if they and I think that has to be the biggest value of anything, because even if we don't think this free agent market's gonna be as necessarily robust as it could have been if everyone wasn't already like committing places, I think teams are gonna try to get off some of those 2016 E contracts. Like Houston obviously took on Brandon Knight to trade him in some situation, but like the fact that that guy is on having near getting near the back end of like a seventy million million dollar contract is like sort of the environment the Cavs are in a position to do some of this, um, you know, take on bad money and get assets, especially because again they don't have that many assets to really work with. Yeah, I think Burks is the one. I mean, Jr. Obviously, just because he's already working on his own trade, working you know they're they're working with him on on getting him out of there. He's probably not going to suit up for the Cavaliers ever again. Burks is playing, but he's more of a value it seems like than than Jr. Smith right now. And so where Burks goes, he's got you know he's a a full restrict or unrestricted free agent this year. So it's or this this coming summer. So it's not like Jr. where you have to take him on and then cut him for almost four million dollars, and then you still don't get his bird rights if you cut him in that in that sense. So Burks can go to somewhere, you know, especially if if there's a team out there who likes him a little bit and would be interested in bringing him back if the market doesn't you know fall in their favor. That's the sort of team that they could that they could really target. Um, you know who who's out there is is sort of difficult to know at this point who really likes Alec Burks, but they'll they'll have more information about that than we do on the outside. They'll be able to sort of talk with teams and and extract a little bit of extra value out of that. Um, look, aside from the guys that they could deal for just the salary dumps, do you think there are guys on this roster for other teams like Tristan, like Clarkson, that actually could have value at this deadline? Do, does that make sense to you? I mean, Tristan has value. I don't think Clarkson has any value at the deadline. I think Kevin Love has value at the deadline. Those are the big two at the top. It's Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson who are actually like competent NBA players on a on a contending team. You know, and Thompson, I wouldn't have said that coming into the year, but he's had a really good year. He's obviously a little bit banged up right now, but as soon as he, you know, he'll get back around the uh, 
maybe three, four weeks ahead of the, the deadline. And so he'll be able to show that he still has it from what he's shown over the last, you know, six weeks or so. So he's, he's the one guy who I would, would look at as an interesting piece because he expires in 2020 along with a lot of other, uh, you know, a lot of other players from the 2016 free agent class. So he can, you can swap him out for somebody else in that 2016 free agent class who's going to be up in 2020. And maybe, you know, the money is relatively similar for them. But then Thompson brings a ton of value on the floor. You know, I'm thinking about a guy like Jan Mahinmi in Washington, um, you know, even a guy like Bismack Biombo, you know, Timothy Mozgov, guys like that who are pretty much de- completely dead salary. And then Thompson, who's still overpaid, even if he is who he has been over the last six weeks, still overpaid at $18.5 million next year, but not so overpaid that he outweighs those guys who are basically zeros on their on their contract. So, you know, I think Thompson would be an interesting one. Love, Love would have to go to a very specific, you know, circumstance where you would have to have a team who you know, is, is really just Kevin Love away from being a championship team. So how many teams are out there like that? Maybe one or two. So that's a, that's a more difficult trade to, to find a, a more difficult guy to find a home for. Obviously he's got a longer term contract. He's on the books until 2023, you know, $120 million after this year. So finding a trade for him, of course he makes more money. So finding a trade for him is, is even more difficult on that front. So, you know, I think Love and Thompson are the two guys at the top who, have the most on-court value. And then you have the guys like JR and Alec Burks who are probably better values for what they bring on their contracts because their contracts are smaller. And then Clarkson is not on that on either one of those lists. I don't think he, you know, his, you know, obviously it only takes one. It only takes a Cleveland Cavaliers like trade from last year where they overvalued him obviously in the, uh, in the, in the, in the trade with the Lakers last year, it only takes one other team like that this year. And then Clarkson's on the move. But, you know, just like it was it was very, uh, un, you know, unlikely that they were going to find a trade for him last year, the Lakers were, then uh, I would think that the Cavaliers are in the same spot this year. We'll wrap it up on this question. Um, for me, I think the, my, my answer to the question is I think they should be, I think I would value picks over um, young players. And that includes, there's, a, there's a really interesting Kevin Love trade that Jeff put in the piece that I don't want to spoil here. Just go read the piece to check that out. Uh, but it would be that would be a really interesting one for a variety of reasons. But my thing with the Cavs is I think if Kobe Altman is going to hit this out of the park, I think it has to be coming away with a couple picks. I don't know if that's I don't think that's all first round picks. I think if they got two lottery protected first round picks in this draft, that would be fine. I almost would want to space them out to some degree. Um, I, you know, I think you know the, the the money is one thing. I think you could go really big. I mean, I I sent you a uh, Slack message a while back. It's like like. Uh, like JR and Burks to, to eat the Chandler Parsons contract. Like I I'm, I'm here for them just like eating money to get the best assets possible. And you get under the tax later. Cause you could, you could find a way to do it for you. If you're Kobe Allman, what is an actual like baseline of what you'd want to get out of this deadline? Like what kind of assets and how many of them? I mean, I think it, you can't, I, I wouldn't have a goal going into it. Like we have to have three seconds and a first or it's a failure by the deadline. I just, I think setting that kind of, of explicit goal is probably just not smart for Altman, especially publicly or even just, even just privately within the office. Like he might have that in his own head, but I wouldn't even tell my front office staff that that's what we're going for. I think we just, yeah, I I would say go for the best deals that are on the table at the time, assess everything, try to get your, try to shoehorn yourself into every conversation, call everybody, you know, just be really active, trying to move on from, 
you know, trying to move on from Smith, trying to move on from Alec Burks when he's available to be aggregated on uh, in late January. You know, try to move on from Henson if he's if he's going to be you know if he if he comes back and plays well, then I think he's he's got some value as well. You know, Rodney Hood is is going to be an unrestricted free agent, but he doesn't make a whole lot of money this year. There should be an easy trade for him somewhere. So like there's there are there are moves out there to be made, I think, and it's not necessarily that they should have a specific goal in mind, but it's it's something where they would want to. They, they want to move a lot of these guys. Like I said, half the roster should be gone by February 8th, you know, the day after the trade deadline. So which guys are on the move, which, you know, how much can they get for them? What, you know, if they can get any sort of positive assets for the, the players that they have, that would be good. But then taking on money is where you're really going to get into getting those first round picks. That's how they got the, uh, the Milwaukee first round pick by taking on Henson and Delvadova for next season. That's that's where the money is. That's where those draft picks are. Is taking on future money. So you know how they choose to do that. The best way to do that is with Jr., who just is on the line for four million next year, and with Alec Burks. The rest of those guys are signed up through 2020, or like Kevin Love, way beyond that. So whether those guys return dead money is you would have to go in the direction of like we talked about with Tristan Thompson, trade him for a a completely dead player, and then try to pick on a. Uh, pick up a draft pick in that in that sense so those are the sorts of, of deals i would look for smith and burks are the big names to watch thompson is sort of a secondary one love is sort of a, a tertiary one like it would take it would be very surprising i think if love got dealt just because of how much money he makes how much money he's slated to make between now and 2023 just you know all of that the what he means to the franchise the fact that they just extended him obviously things have changed in a big way since they extended him but you know it's he's still a, a part of that of that franchise i think moving forward and then, you know, you you look at the the what they're building around Sexton, Osman, Larry Nance, maybe even David Nawaba, whatever they can get in the in the draft over the next few years. That's those are the building blocks. So how do how does whatever if they take back a young player, how do those how does that guy fit around what they already have? If he's a point guard, that's maybe not a great idea because of Sexton of where Sexton plays. If he's a big man, he's got to be able to fit next to Nance. Stuff like that I think is is important to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think if the Cavs are getting players back, I would be trying to get wingy type players. Um, you know, Philly, when they talked about Philly, like Corver obviously was the kind of guy I thought made sense for Philly, but if they did any deals with Philly to maybe like send Hood there or just, just something, whatever. Like Fergon Corkplans would be, I know he's playing more there now, but like that that's the type of guy um, that I think makes some sense. But again, read Jeff's pieces for the sword. Check out the link below for his, uh, in, in the show notes for his cap breakdown as well. It'll give you a really good idea of where the Cavs are going to be at and and kind of give you an idea of just like what kind of salaries are going to be able to dump like john henson could be doubleable as well uh, but again find him on twitter at jg siegel that's j-g-s-i-g-e-l jeff thanks so much thanks for having me